Father, we come and we still our hearts before you today. Father, we recognize that you are here. Father, that your presence is here. And Father, that's very real, uh, very real to us today. And Father, we just thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that it is there to encourage and to help and to support. Father, it's also there to challenge and to rebuke sometimes. But Father, we pray that you uh, would speak through your word today. And Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak and that you would bring it to life and that you would bring out of your word today the things which you would have uh, us receive today. And so, Father, we pray that our hearts would be inclined towards you this morning. Father, that our ears would be attentive to the voice of the Spirit today. And so, Father, we pray that you'd lead us in our meditations as we open up your word. Lord, we pray we pray particularly for those uh, who need a touch in their bodies. Father, uh, uh, those who are going through difficult situations. And Father, we ask uh, that you would come and that you'd meet every need Father, that you come and that you meet every individual. Uh, Father, you know the difficulties that people have faced even this week. Uh, and Father, we just ask that you come and that you minister by your grace. Father, may we know peace in our hearts. Father, that peace which surpasses all understanding. Father, we pray that we would experience that in our hearts. Father, may it guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Um, we're going to read from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through to 34. And uh, just so that you know, um, this week I've really found myself kind of wrestling with uh, the message for today. Uh, I, I was on the, the same track kind of from Thursday all the way through until uh, Saturday lunchtime. And then at Saturday lunchtime I gave up. I kind of thought, I'm on the wrong track here because it's like, it's like trying to plough through treacle, uh, just preparing for today. And I, I just kind of came to the conclusion that it wasn't what God was wanting to say uh, into the life of the church today. And I felt led to this verse that we're going to read, this passage that we're going to read from today. And uh, it's in Luke chapter 12. And so we're going to read that. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out, a treasure in heaven. 
that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As I said, I found myself kind of wrestling with the message today. And this is where uh, we have finally landed, um, led to this scripture, this passage where Jesus is teaching his disciples. And I want us just to think about, I want to to walk through this passage uh, for a little uh, minute or two this morning. And really the theme of this is not worrying. Um, The the title in my Bible uh, is not to worry, don't worry, do not worry. And so I want us to think about what this passage has to say to each of us this morning. Because I'm sure there are all times when we worry and we get concerned about things. And uh, it says here in verse 22, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat. Don't worry about these things. What an unusual way to start when he's talking about not worrying, thinking about eating. I don't know if I would make that jump, uh, but maybe perhaps because we have such an abundance of provision for most of us, uh, then we don't maybe make that jump, but it's something that uh, we all need to think about. Um, For example, who... On last, who last Saturday was able to find bread or milk? <laughs> last Saturday we spent forever going round all the stores in Bathgate because we just so happened to be in Tesco and uh, going through the stores trying to find some milk to buy because we weren't running out of milk but we needed a wee bit extra milk and see trying to find some milk uh, why can't we just kind of check the forecast and realise that the weather's going to get better and not panic by Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Well, that didn't happen last weekend, that's for sure. We all got concerned about what we were going to eat and what we were going to drink, and we're going to be snowed in for years. (laughs) Springs on its way, lighting up people. But it tells us here not to worry about these things, about the things that we'll eat. Verse 29 says, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. It's so easy to get fixated on the externals. It's easy to get fixated on money and upon things. And the passage here is talking about what we put into the body, but it's also talking about what we put on the body. And Jesus isn't saying that these things aren't important. It's quite the opposite. He says your father knows that you need them. In verse 30, your father knows that you need these things. The point is that the disciples and we realize that there is more to us than the body. After Jesus has been talking with the Samaritan woman, his disciples urged him to eat, to which he replied, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. There's more to life than the externals. Jesus recognized that. Jesus lived that. And so there's more to life than just simply the things that give us pleasure. We all, I'm sure, like good food. It is Mother's Day today, and I'm sure there'll be some good food on the go. There'll be some nice meals. Stuart was telling me about his holiday and his uh, French chef who was able to cook some wonderful food for him. It's lovely to appreciate that, and it's great, but... There's more to life than just the things that we eat. There's also more to life than just the body as well. 
It's not just about the body. Jesus goes on to talk about this by saying, don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. What am I going to wear? Guys tend not to have that problem. What will I wear today? Well, we just put on the same thing on that we had on yesterday. Simple. But when the lady goes into her wardrobe and she goes, what am I going to wear? She looks at this vast array of clothes and she goes, eeny, meeny, miny, more. I'll pick that one. No, I've changed my mind. I'll pick that one. No, actually, I think I'll come down all the way down here in my wardrobe <laughs> to pick that one. Uh, if you to see her wardrobe, you'd know what I'm talking about, okay? Mary's section. My section. <laughs> What am I going to wear? We get concerned about what we're going to wear. Have you ever noticed that the charity shops are full of women's clothes? Have you noticed that? (laughs) I like going into charity shops. And one time, just one time, I was in Pitlochry and went into a charity shop and I found a pair of uh, Craghopper's trousers. They were insulated. And I thought, £14, bargain. Got to the till and they were only £4. Major bargain. The point is... Us guys, we tend to just wear things until we wear them out. So those trousers will be worn until there's holes in the knees and they have to get thrown out. In fact, let me tell you a story. I hadn't planned to say this, but I'll tell you a story about clothes. Um, Many, many years ago, (laughs) you know what I'm going to say, I had this checked shirt. I loved this checked shirt. It was a tartan shirt. Remember the days of big country, for those who are old enough? (laughs) And we all had these uh, tartan shirts. I loved it. I wore the thing out. And so... I worked hard, I was a good student, so I wore out the elbows first. And so I thought, I'm going to sort this. So I cut the shirt off, and I made it a short-sleeved shirt. Stitched it up, ditched the old bits, and uh, continued to wear my shirt. But then it started to crack up in here, underneath the arms. So what will I do? You know how the big country guys used to cut off the sleeves altogether? So I cut the sleeves off altogether, and all I was left with was this kind of like tank top shirt type thing. But then it started to split across the way as well. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. So I was like, I need to give up with it now. Worn my clothes until it wore out. We actually, we washed it and we took it and we folded it up nice and neatly and we took it out the back and we dug a little hole in the garden for it. (laughs) And we had the little service and we said the little prayer and uh, my tartan shirt went back, back to the ground, back to the earth. Yes, sir. Aye, they'll be in fashion, that's right, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'll do? I'll cut the bottom off and I'll have shorts. <laughs> but we get concerned about what we're going to wear. We get concerned about the externals. And Jesus says you need to stop and you need to consider. Consider these two things. Considering means slowing down or even stopping altogether and thinking. Stop and consider these things. Verse 27 says this. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? We're talking about here things that we put into our bodies and things that we put on our bodies. 
But we recognize that we can worry about so many things, not just the externals. We can worry about situations. We can worry about life. We can worry about uh, all sorts of things. And when I read this passage, every time I read this passage, I think of Mrs. Miller. Mrs. Miller was my first year English teacher. I don't think I will ever forget Mrs. Miller. There was one day she gave me a stern warning and asked me, no, she didn't ask me, she instructed me and advised me to watch the company that I was keeping. Mrs. Miller cared. She, just, she didn't just care about my education, she cared about me as a person. And why do I associate this with Mrs. Miller? Because she took us through a book called Consider the Lilies by Ian Crichton Smith, a book about an old woman evicted from her croft during the clearances. And I knew that as Mrs. Miller taught us that Mrs. Miller was a Christian lady. And she was concerned about what went on inside, not just what went on outside. She wasn't just concerned about our education, she was concerned about us as people. And as I read this novel, it made me think about Jesus' words again, about considering the lilies, how they grow. Lilies grow as God intended them to, rooted in the soil, and they reach up to enjoy the sun. Oh, to enjoy the sun. It's great, isn't it? You've forgotten what that feels like. (laughs) There's a need for us to know that we are rooted in the earth. We are created beings. But we also need to reach up for the sun, a different kind of sun, S-O-N, to respond to the sun. As the lily responds to the sun as it comes out and grows and the flowers come out, so we flourish when we respond to Jesus, the Son of God. They do not strive, they just exist. They're there and they, they, they just grow as God intended them to. They do not work, they just are. They display their glory, the glory that God gave them. And we've got two florists sitting over here who know what we're talking about, about the glory of flowers. They just speak about how incredible God is. You look at it and you think, God designed that. And they just are. They don't worry. They're not concerned. They do what God has intended uh, intended them to do. That is the glory that God has given them. And when the room is filled with lilies, the sweet scent fills the room. For those of you who like that kind of scent, I love the smell of lilies. I think they're amazing. We know that under the outward appearance, there is a mass of communication going on in a lily. Within the soil and the rain and the sun, there's a mass of chemical reactions that are going on that communicate to the plant what's happening round about it. How wonderfully complex a lily is, and yet it's so simple and it's so beautiful and it's there to be enjoyed just as God created it. There's something that we can learn from that about being just who God created us to be, not striving to be like other people, not striving to have what other people have, but being content with what God has given us. And Jesus said that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. Solomon, for all his wealth, for all his wisdom, was not clothed 
like a lily of the field. And here is where the Queen of Sheba experienced uh, this incredible man, wise, wealthy, and successful. It says in 1 Kings 10, 48, that she came to visit Solomon when the Queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his tables, the seated, uh, sorry, the seating of his officials, the attending servants and the robes, his cupbearers, and burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. A man who had everything. A man who was wise. He was probably really handsome. He had lots of wives. I did say he was wise, didn't I? Maybe he wasn't so wise. Um, But the Queen of Sheba came along and saw all that Solomon had. And she was amazed by it. And yet Jesus says... That not even Solomon in all his glory was like the lily of the field. Incredible. Jesus puts things into perspective for us. And he says all these things that are on the outside, you shouldn't be worrying about them. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 verse 15, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We're also urged to consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Ravens living in the moment. They don't sow crops. They don't reap. They don't build barns, but they're still fed, and God cares for them, and God values them. And on the subject of value, what does it say here in verse 24? And how much more valuable you are than birds They're valued, but you are more valuable. I'm going to try and change over to the other mic, I think, Martin, because it's uh, kind of putting me off, probably putting everybody else off as well. Your value is not conferred on you through what you do, but the fact that you have been created in the image of God. Have you ever thought about that? We measure success and we measure value by externals, by the things that we see on the outside, by how successful somebody is. Well, let me say that God values you because you are his creation. And God values every single one of his children, but he values the people in this world. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through to 27 says this, He's made all of his creation. And then he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. To remember that every single human being is created in the image of God. We have 
a value conferred upon us that most of us, most of the time, appreciate. Your value is not conferred on you through what you do, but the fact that Christ died for you. And that's an incredible thought. He died for you and he died for me. How much does God value you? How much does God love you? God, the Bible tells us, loves us so much that he sent his own son to the world to die for our sins, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God values you and how much he values me. How much he values every one of the seven billion people that are in the world today. God didn't come to earth as a flower though. Or a raven for that matter. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but God didn't come in the person of a dog to redeem dogs. And I like dogs sometimes when they like me. Some don't like me. God came as a human being into this world which he had created to redeem this world, to buy us back because he valued us so much. He loved us so much. And if God would go to that length because he values you and I, what else will God do? We tend to worry about things. We tend to get concerned about things. Rather than yesterday, for example, at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, realizing actually this message is not going anywhere and I'm not sensing the unforced rhythms of God's grace. Stop. Get into the flow. Get into the rhythm of God's grace. God came to redeem us. And that's not to put any less value on the rest of his creation because Romans 8, 19 says that all of creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. All of creation What does the Bible say in Romans 5 and 8? That God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Incredible. If God would go to these lengths for you and I, what else will he do for you and I? The things that we worry about, the things that we're concerned about. God knows what it's like to be human. And when you look at an image like that, I don't know if you've ever watched The Passion of the Christ. I watched it once. I would really struggle to watch that film again because of the effect it had on me. God knows what it's like to be human. God knows what it's like to experience hunger. God knows what it's like to be in need. God knows what sorrow feels like. God knows what pain feels like. But God also knows the joy of the human heart. God has made himself readily available to all people through the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to come back and we need to remember these things sometimes. Verse 25 in our passage, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? What can you add to what God has already done for you? What can you add to what God has already given you? What can you add to eternal 
destiny, an inheritance that awaits us? The answer, nothing. We can't add anything. We can only trust and obey. Listening for the unforced rhythms of his grace and being in that flow. You know, when I was thinking about this message today, I thought about all the photos I have ever taken. That's one from last week, uh, just so that you can see how bad the snow was on my road. <laughs> Got down to Whitburn. Every photograph that I have ever taken, and the number easily exceeds 100,000 photographs, was a moment in time, a today moment, a now moment. Now each of those photographs have become memories. There's one thing I, I can't, regardless of how good or bad a photographer I am, can't take a photograph of, and that is tomorrow. We can't take pictures of tomorrow because it's not here yet. We can only take pictures of the moment that we're in. I can plan for my future, but I can't live in my future. I need to live in today. And each of us are the same. We can only live in today because today is the day that God has given us. How are we living in the moment? Are we experiencing the moment today together? I can't overstate that we live for the Lord and we live for each other in each moment. As Christians, we're not meant to live in isolation. And one of the things that I felt to say this morning, and it may be for people here, it may be for somebody who's listening in to this message through iTunes or SoundCloud, and maybe for somebody who's not in church today listening to this message, you need to get connected with a church family. In Psalm 68, David says that God sets the lonely in families. You were never meant to live in isolation as a Christian. God wants us to live together. And that's why the messages that we've been talking over the last few weeks have been so important because his desire is for us to live together. And heaven will be a wonderful place where we live together. Psalm 118 is part of what is known as the Hallel. It is read at many of the feasts in Israel. And it contains this verse. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. A psalm that looks forward to the coming of the Messiah. We should read that and meditate upon that. Psalm 113 through 118. Read those uh, psalms and meditate on them. This is the day. This is the day. God has ordained it. We need to learn to live in today. We need to learn to embrace today. We need to learn to rejoice in today and to be glad in today. And when it comes to thinking about tomorrow, well, there's a few things that we need to say about that as well. Ed Dobson in his video series, Ed's Story, says this, when you're worried about the future, it's hard to find God. When you're living in the moment, he's right there with you. So true. When you're worried about what's going to happen in the future, I was worried about standing here today, getting uptight about the fact that a message wasn't coming. Worrying about it. And I couldn't hear God. I couldn't hear the fact that he was saying, 
You just need to stop because you're going down the wrong track. This is where I want you to go today. Living in the moment, listening to God, listening for his unforced rhythms because he's here with us in the moment. And it's so easy to worry and to fret about tomorrow or the day after or the month after or what's going to happen if. And sometimes we can over and become overwhelmed with our thoughts about tomorrow. And it becomes a problem because it stops us seeing what's happening in the here and now. And I'm not saying that we don't think about tomorrow and that we don't plan. The Bible has much to say about that, and we can read that in the Proverbs. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8 says these really encouraging words. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers food at harvest. The writer of the Proverbs is encouraging us to plan and to be wise. If you're not convinced yet, there's another verse in the Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So there's a place for planning, there's a place for thinking about the future, and there's wisdom in that. Being industrious is wise. Working to have an income is wise and is commendable. But worrying about what we don't have and have no control over is a different story. So don't worry about the future. Consider the words of this hymn, and I love this hymn, because he lives I can face tomorrow. Isn't that true? Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Have you ever been in that moment where you think, that's why I'm putting one foot in front of the other? It's because he lives. Because today, I don't feel like putting one foot in front of the other. Today, I don't feel like getting out of my bed. Jesus gives us a purpose. And worry, worry is just a thief. It's a thief that will rob us of today's peace. It will also rob us of time, for we will not be truly and fully present in the moment. When we're living fully in the present, not living fully in the present, we miss things. We miss the people who are round about us, the people who are the pinnacle of God's creation. We miss those who are around us, the people who are worthy of our time and energy. Worry will rob us of that. Worry can also rob us of so many things. It can rob us of our health, our well-being. And so today I urge you to consider the lilies to consider the birds of the air. Just do it some point in time. There's crocuses coming up just now. There's snowdrops out just now. Go and have a look and just sit and consider how glorious they are, how glorious God has created them and how effortlessly they come up through the ground every year, year after year. Consider the birds of the air. My favourite is the swallows. I love it when they come back. It means that summer's here. I love the noise that they make. I love to hear them going about their business and just doing what God has intended them to do. Let's stop and consider these things. And as we close out this passage, Jesus says this. 
rather than getting fixated with the externals, rather than worrying about things, rather than fretting about what we don't have, worrying about what somebody else has that we don't have, he says, seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. He knows what we have need of, but we're encouraged to seek first his kingdom. If you read this in Matthew, he talks about seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God invites us to make investments in a different place. Not to get fixated with the externals, but to come and invest into his kingdom. Our finances, our time, our energy, our resources. Invest in the kingdom. The Bible says that he who lends to the poor lends to the Lord. An investment in that purse that can't be destroyed, an investment in heaven. Rather than being concerned with wealth and riches, which the Bible tells us are deceitful, it's like trying to get to the crock of gold at the end of the rainbow. I've looked at rainbows time and time again. I think, where's that Where's that landing? I'm going to go and have a wee look there. Well, who knows that by the time you get there, the rainbow shifted to somewhere else. It's like that. It's like that with the things that we strive after sometimes. As soon as we get there, it disappears and it's gone. Let's not be striving after these things. God knows that we need them. He knows what we need. And I just, I'm so encouraged sometimes when we are able to put food in people's tables as a church, as a food bank. 20,000 people. Wow. Since 20, November 2012. That's incredible. Investing in the kingdom, lending to the poor. It's absolutely incredible. And I think if I say anything as we finish off, is that God has blessed us and he has given us so much. And so often we take it for granted. Let's learn to appreciate what God has given us. Let's live in the moment and let us appreciate what God has done for us. Let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's try to be people who live in today. We can plan for tomorrow and we can be prepared for things, but let's live in today. Let's not live distracted by worry and about the things which we don't have and the things which may not ever happen. Let's live for today. You know, we're going to come around uh, communion and uh, really, if you love Jesus, then you're welcome to come and take the bread and the wine which remind us of Jesus. We're going to do that in just a little minute. But before we do that, I just would like us to bow our heads and to pray and uh, just to speak some words of blessing over this congregation. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have blessed us with every blessing that we could ever need. And Father, we thank you that you have given us this precious and wonderful gift of your Holy Spirit. 
Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit lives within us and that you just, you, you, you live there, you, you take up residence in our hearts. And Father, we just thank you for that wonderful privilege of being part of your family. Father, of being one of your disciples, of being called to fulfill our purpose and to display your glory, uh, Father, through our lives. And Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us day by day, moment by moment to do that. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to make the most of every opportunity. Father, to make the most of today, to make the most of those moments where we feel that nudge from your Holy Spirit. Father, to, to speak or to act or to do something. Father, that we might walk in obedience to what you would say to us. Father, to trust and obey. And Father, to keep in step with the Spirit. And so, Father, I just pray, I pray that your uh, blessing would be over this whole congregation. Father, those who are present today and those who are absent today. And Father, you know every situation. Father, you know every heart. Father, you know the things which are causing tears. Father, you know the things which are causing concern and worry. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to give all of these things to you. And Father, there are some things which we have no control over. And Father, we ask that you'd help us to trust you in those situations. Father, as we give ourselves to you, Father, we give also those things which we have no control over. Father, sometimes it's another person who we're concerned about. And Father, we give you those people. And Father, we ask that you would be at work in their lives. And Father, even this week, many situations, many situations where people have cause to just trust in you and to give things over to you. And so, Father, we pray that you do that, that you take those things which we give to you today, and, Father, that you would store them and keep them safe. Father, the people that we pray for, Father, those who know you and who love you, and, Father, those who um, perhaps don't know you yet, that we care about and that we love about. Father, people who you died for, Father, people who you have conferred value upon, not through what they've done, but, Father, despite of what they've done, that you love us and that you sent your Son to die for us. And, Father, we pray that we would live in the reality of that, moment by moment, day by day, knowing your presence. Father, knowing how not to worry about things, but, Father, to trust in you. Because, Father, you know, you already know what's going to happen. You know the future. The future is history to you. Father, you know us. As Psalm 139 says, you know us intimately well. Every aspect of us, every, every single dynamic of our personalities and who we are. Father, your word tells us that even the very hairs of our head are numbered. Father, help us to trust in you. Father, help us to let go of our fears, to let go of our concerns and our worries, and Father, to cast all our cares upon you, because you care for us. Father, may we live in this reality, day by day, moment by moment. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.